They're sleeping on the streets. Uh, their heads are all messed up. They're taking drugs. They're, oh, I've watched them in Austin. By the way, Austin had a strange parade and outbreak last night. Uh, did you notice? No, I did not hear about that. Uh, what detail? Well, it's just a mob of people, and honestly, from the distance, it's hard to tell who they were, but they were just marching through the street. Uh, police cars tried to stop them. They were shouting, yelling, throwing things, throwing mainly firecrackers and so on. But it was like a controlled riot. Uh, I wouldn't want to live in Austin right now, I'll tell you, with that kind of thing going on. I did live there. And near the main street, I know exactly where they went through, many times walking past homeless, many times walking past construction workers. Now, these construction workers were brought in by truck every morning. They all had the same old clothes on they had the day before, like they never had a shower. They never had any change of clothing. Around noon, they, they had a food truck come up, and everybody got served from there. None of them could speak English. They went back to work late, late after I got back. I uh, would see them being piled up into big trucks and hauled off. These obviously are immigrants. They're being used for almost like slave labor. Oh, yeah. Right in the middle of Austin. Construction companies using them. Yeah. So, and, you know. And, 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 and it, then we're given we're this illusion that, that, you know, well, white people don't want to work that hard, you know, and, and that's just false. It's like. White people don't want to work for slave, you know, for slave labor wages. But um, that's right. But, well, you yeah. can't. You can't afford to keep a house. Obviously, right. these people are being housed in some kind of warehouse or dorm. They're and they're not being even given decent clothing to wear, and they, they have porta potties for them to go to the bathroom in. You know, I mean, that's their life. Uh, and, it's an America. You, you were talking about wars, you know. I mean, we, we've been, you know, in Granada, in, in Nicaragua, in Panama, you know, everywhere. One, one, one uh, little place that, we, that was never actually declared war on was a place called Cuba. And you were rather deeply involved in this in the early 1960s. Yeah. Um, this is kind of where, you know, you were, you were just a... a oh, folks, it's like, I've only seen a couple of pictures of you back when you were in your high school years. Man, you were a... You were a Really hot, beautiful woman. I mean, a beautiful young girl back then. And um, I was athletic, you know. I I, I won. uh, I won four medals in college. We all age, but you know, but um, but no, you you were beautiful and and actually had a brain too. And you you got sucked into um, (laughs) what a girl with a brain. What do you mean? Yeah, (laughs) a girl with a brain. Well, it had its drawbacks. Um, I remember. Everybody knew that what I what my feelings were about guys. I just always loved my boyfriends. I had so many, but um, uh, it usually happened in the interior of a car with panting going on, and the hands started get groping in the wrong places. And I would say, "Can we let's pray to God whether or not we should get married before we do this?" And uh, that kind of stopped everything. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've never yeah, I, I, had a problem I've seen, with my I've reputation. I've seen up a few windows, you know, myself back in my high school days. Yeah. <laughs> well, in college um, at University of Florida, there weren't near as many girls at that time because it had been co-ed for only about ten years, and there aren't that many girls interested in engineering and science and so on. 
And um, so I had a bunch of boyfriends around me, and, and I would tell each one, please protect me from these other guys. So that I could, and, and, uh, and hey, Ju- and, sure hey Judith, um, on, on this whole thing, you know, um, I, I've got a friend that's staying here with me, and, and he looked, he went to Google something, and, you know, he's got a smartphone, and he, and he looked you up, and he's like, yeah, it says here that like she was born in Indiana and went to school in Indiana. Uh, can, can you set this right? You were born and basically raised and went in Bradenton, Florida, right? You went where you went to high school? No, I was born in South Bend, Indiana, almost on top of Notre Dame. Okay. My family had connections with Notre Dame. My grandfather even attended Notre Dame. And um, the bottom line is, though, uh, my father was going to be a rocket scientist and uh, was getting ready to be moved over to uh, Sandia Corporation in Los Alamos and then to Liver Morbid uh, Labs. But what happened is my mother refused to live behind barbed wire. Uh, they told us they might put up barbed wire at any time because of highly classified work that my father would be doing and that we wouldn't have to leave. We would not be able to leave the campus if the Cold War got worse. And there were silos that were built to protect <laughs> the rockets and so on. And sure enough, uh, he would have been working on the guidance system. It broke my father's heart. Uh, he had made enough uh, different kinds of uh, got royalties from patents that he assigned uh, to uh, Robert Adler in, in Chicago. Adler had a great um, development of TV and so on that uh, he was working on and helped develop uh, color TV and and, uh, and was a co-creator uh, of the remote control, for example. The first, WGN was the first one to put out a color uh, uh, program that reached any significant area. My father uh, transmitted that color uh, broadcast from his towers that were 90 miles away and so on. Anyway, he had a lot of patents that uh, were given to Adler, and Adler gave him all the royalties, but he wanted the the prestige of owning the patents, you know? So Dad had all this money coming in, so when he could not go on and become a rocket scientist, he gave up and moved us all to Florida. We ended up in Palmetto and also Bradenton. And my formative, very formative years were spent in Indiana up to age 11, 10 and a half, 11. And I have very fond memories and have many relatives there now. But uh, all the opportunities and the growth and the wonderful advantages uh, of being uh, not just Notre Dame and having those connections, but in Bradenton. Manatee High School at that time was so different from, unfortunately, it's not like, it's nothing like that now. They unfortunately had um, so many football scholarships and uh, attainments in football that they attracted mainly uh, physical jocks, you know, and the science end of it has deteriorated, and it's a shame. I hope they return someday to the excellence that once was Manatee High. But at any rate, well, well, uh, I love apparently they had some pretty good science labs because um, apparently that's oh, yeah. where you, uh, you know, as, as before you even graduated high school, they, you were doing uh, virology cancer research, you, you, but you were trying to find something to stop, you know, the, the cancers that were starting to pop up. And all, my all, grandmother, all yeah, my grandmother died of cancer when we had already had moved to St. Petersburg, uh, where we all lost our homes to a, uh, his name was Pontius. And he, we paid him cash for our houses. He took it and 
I think he left for South America anyway. All of a sudden, we had no homes. Uh, the, the banks uh, took them away from us <laughs> because they, were, they didn't get the money. And uh, so most of my family had to move back to Indiana. And But Dad had enough you know, funds of his own to stay, and we did. And uh, I cannot tell you how pleased I am with the way Manatee County uh, gave me so many opportunities. They used, they had retired teachers, I mean, teachers who were retired military officers. For example, Colonel Philip Doyle, uh, West Point and all that. And, and all these connections. I mean, we had science materials. We had the PSS, uh, the, um, the, the physics course. Uh, for example, we had we were doing the most advanced things you can imagine, and we had what was called the science research seminar. That gave me an hour and a half every day to work on my own science projects, and what an opportunity! And we had other things too that we I wish they had now. Manatee High had what was called study day. They had it once a month. If you didn't have uh, good grades, you had to go and get tutored. If your grades were good, you could go and we had meetings like all day long, science club, literature club, drama club, and so on, French club, you name it. And I cannot tell you how wonderful that opportunity was once a month to bond with fellow students and cross-circulate our information and knowledge and so on. We don't have anything like that now. It's just sad. They really cared about the students back then, and I... I, I I took Latin. Who who teaches Latin today? But with Latin, you can actually learn the basics of all the Romance languages. For example, it was my head start into French and and, and uh, you know Italian and and Spanish and so on. I Cuban too, you know Cuban Spanish. So I'm just saying we had many opportunities that are no longer available. It's like they don't care about the kids anymore. Oh, wow. No, no, it, it, it's come from uh, any education into just strict indoctrination. You know, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Prussian model was brought in a long time, and you know, it, it's like you know, my mom's ninety-one years old, and you know, she went to an actual one-room schoolhouse, and I asked her, I said, I said "Mom, I said, I said, uh, you know, when y'all were doing that one-room school stuff, I said, did you like do math for an hour, and then do English, and then do history, you know, for another hour?" And she said, "No, we would do math like you know, one, two, or three, or four days, you know, so so you know, the, so the kids could grasp the concept of it, and then you would move on, and you would go into history, and you do like you know, a, you know, a week on history, and then you'd go into something else it's, instead of this flashbang, you know, it's like just about the time that you can grasp what is two plus two, it's like you go off and you're doing history, you know, and so and you go back to class the next day, and it's like I almost had two plus two. How, how does that work again, you know?" It's very confusing. It's it's you know yep. you know that that's why so many of these older people that I've well, met, the teachers I, are given no education. And, the the teachers are given no freedom now. They have right. to follow the book, and and they're not they're even discouraged from leaving, even adding an extra sentence to anything they're so called teaching. It's all created by these people higher up, and they have agendas, and they know how to tweak the psyches, and they are destroying our whole. I cannot tell you how uh, frustrating it is to. to um, I, I was I'm a speed reader and I was a, a scorer of essays. These are college entrance exam the SAT essays that they have to write right on the spot. The handwriting first is atrocious of these kids. 
They can hardly write, handwrite anything, but you know it's theirs, and you can see how pitiful uh, they're, they don't even know how, they've never even been taught how to properly hold a, a pencil or a pen. They, 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 it's a miracle they can write it all because they just grab the pencil like a, a chimpanzee would. And the other thing they're doing, and it's very sad as far as I can tell anyway, that, that really uh, gets to me is I, as a Pearson SAT scorer, I had to score these almost illegible pieces. Of, and if I gave them a score that was too low, they would not go to college. I had to assess 31 essays per hour. And uh, there was a, someone who was doing the same essays. They had two of us. If our scores were different by more than one point, one of us would get in trouble. I mean, we didn't know what the other was scoring. The fact of the matter is, I could see sometimes somebody using really exceptional words, and maybe uh, they had things organized well, but you could tell they were foreign and they weren't using quite grammar. And sometimes I'd be paired with someone who would take off points for grammar without noticing the quality of the work and so on. And we only had one and a half minutes about Bert. Can you imagine? Uh, maybe, maybe two minutes per essay. And if you could see, you can go online and look it up the SAT, um, typical essays. They are off. It's not fair. We were paid very well, but nobody should be forced to decide whether a kid can go on to college or not based on only looking at an essay. Then you have to do 31 per hour or you get fired. I mean, you know. So we have so you were just, you, you were just doing mass strange. production. In, instead of judging quality, you were just doing mass production and probably had a set of standards that, you know, like like you said, you know, if, if the person, you know, if what they were writing was really brilliant and you could tell they were intelligent, if they made a few grammatical errors, that counted against them. And you were looking for the grammatical errors, not necessarily the intelligence of, of the... Oh, of I, wasn't, I wasn't. I uh, wasn't. And I had disputes sometimes because sometimes I'd be paired with somebody who would just be dreadful because they're using is instead of um or or if they used uh don't instead of doesn't things like that you know and my gosh when maybe the the thought process was there they just needed and you could tell they were from india or something and they just needed you know a little more grammar but their thought process was good their uh their grasp of concept everything was good so I would have disputes sometimes with uh, the other scorer. And depending on what scorer I had, how a lot of them were very uptight and were like in the office, <laughs> if you've ever watched The Office. But anyway, um, just rigid, you know. Well, he had six grammatical errors. He doesn't belong in college, you know. Yeah. So uh, I... those standards, this is anyway in the news right now about our schools and Back, well, I did it, have these opportunities. It's like, it's like the Common Core and No Child Left Behind. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know, I, you know, I've heard the stories that, huh? you know, that 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 the, that the actual smart kids in the class would intentionally get questions on a test wrong because if they set the curve for the test, their 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 fellow morons look down upon them. You know, that they, they, they were they were they were almost you know derided. So so kids, smart kids would intentionally well, get questions wrong. So so they so they they didn't. Because they wanted the acceptance of their peers, you know. This is what this is what. Well, one of the problems I had, and uh, I know this happens to others, is um, I ended up doing half of the teacher's work half the time, and the 
rather than give me an opportunity to learn on my own or something like that, I would be given tons of, of other students' stuff to score, and that's just not fair to them or me or anything. Or help tutor, oh, just go over, oh, you know, save the teacher some time. I mean, if that's all you do, you. But I, I was lucky that I had a parochial school. I went to the first six uh, years, and even though one nun there hated me, after my IQ test came in, uh, then only then did she start giving me decent grades <laughs> because we were always arguing with each other. You, but you know, um, I've, I've never taken one of them IQ test things. I have no idea what I would score. I I I, I know I'm no I'm I'm not a dummy, but I, I also don't consider myself the most. That's all you need person. to know. Yeah. yeah. No, don't this assessment of intelligence. You know what I look at? I look at what you've done. And under adversity, some people never have an opportunity. I remember reading about this woman. She said, I'm just a maid and I always wanted to go to college and never had a chance. What can I do with my life? I, um, I It's an anecdote. I don't know whether it's true or not, but she was uh, told, well, what do you see every day? She said, I see ants on the doorstep. And she was told to study the ants. She became an expert, it says in this um, story, became the world expert on ants. <laughs> You know, we always, we, if you're intelligent, you're going to find a way. Now, that doesn't mean that you always can find a way, depending on your, like being a girl. I had difficulty. If, if, um, if they wanted somebody to speak, they preferred to have a male if we, <laughs> than a female. Uh, there are prizes I was not allowed to take because they were only for males in competition, in science. It was amazing. But that's back then. The or, other or, part or how, is how about just your, if you want to call it your moral turpitude, you know, it, it's like, you know, I wanted to become a research scientist, paid my own way through college, took my time doing it. I wasn't just there and gone in four years, you know, right. when, when I could, when I could, when I had the money, I would, I would take classes and, you know, and do my classes and wanted to become a research scientist and help my, you know, because I knew my professors for many years, you know, they all knew me. So they allowed me to do research for them. You know, I was like, hey, I'm going to go out fishing on the lake this weekend, you know, uh, Give me a turbidity meter and a dissolved oxygen meter and a secchi disc, and um, there you go. And, and I'll go out. You know, you tell me what specific points you know that, that you'd like to have. You know, uh, samples done at, and I would go out. You know, while I was out fishing, you know, if nothing else, and and take readings and, and record them all. You know, while I was fishing, I'd record them, and then we'd go on and go with fishing, and I'd take them back in. And um, then I saw you know data that I'd collected in the field changed, and my and my professor tell me. Well, we've got to massage data sometimes so the research grants actually get funded and the money keeps coming into the university, you know. And and, yeah, I, was just, well, and, I, was, and yeah. I was just like, it just blew my mind. I'm, I'm like, so I, so I can't actually do honest research and be an honest researcher, you know, at a very low level. You know, I, I found this out, and it just kind of, you know, dashed me to the rocks. Oh, at University of Florida, I was assigned uh, to three different labs. It's a long story why. I had access, and after I did their silly, I'm sorry, I call them silly, but they're trivial, I should say, uh, work that they wanted me to do, such as, you know, chromatography or spectral analysis or blot tests or whatever. And they're following all this, this protocol. I would, I would have freedom then to do what I wanted, and nobody cared. And it was, I, I really wish we had more opportunities for students to have time to explore things on their own. Instead, they have to follow, uh, they have to learn all these tests and IDs. You can see them all over the Internet. What is the definition of access or whatever? Uh, does it, that's not the point, is it? 
You know, you're supposed to use the axis. But anyway, um, because I wasn't uh, fully trained when I began all this in science uh, research, I should say, into cancer, because I wasn't, I was able to defy the odds, shall we say, and uh, this is where we left off last week, because I managed to give mice, these are germ-free mice from Dr. Reniers over in Notre Dame, who had moved over to Tampa with his animals. I had germ-free mice, thanks to old connections uh, to South Bend and Notre Dame and all that, and to Dr. Reniers, and was able to give mice lung cancer in only seven days, which had never been accomplished before anywhere. Now, here I am. I have, as I said last week, I broke into an august, important meeting of the top research scientists and science writers in America without permission. I couldn't get any, none of the local doctors were allowed to go. Not, Not even the people I knew on the state level were there. So I broke in. And um, the doors closed, and I was all alone, and all these eyes are staring at me, and here come the police. Now, on on the stage were two very important, well, there are several important people. There was Sir Robert Robinson, who had a Nobel Prize in chemistry. Next to him was Dr. Harold Urey. Well, actually, he was off to one side, not right, right next to him. Uh, who is also a famous, um, in, in his own right, of course, another Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, and Dr. Her- Harold Deal was the vice president of research for all the research for the American Cancer Society. He was running this conference, and the police are going to go and carry me out. They already had their hands on me when Dr. Uh, uh, Sir Robert Robinson said, I saw him say something to um, Dr. Deal. Dr. Deal said, wait. And he lifted his hand. He said, and he just made his finger. He said, can you like, come here. So I came up. <laughs> Everybody's staring at me. I mean, dozens of the most important doctors and, and oncologists and science writers in America. Here I'm a high school student. I walk up. I've got this stack of all my research papers. And he says, what is this about? I said, I've done research, and I need you to look at it, sir. And he said, sit down. He had me sit down at a table near the base of the stage where his wife sat. Later, I found out this poor woman had breast cancer. Both her breasts had been removed. She was had hugely swollen arms because they took the lymph nodes out, and she couldn't drain any of the lymph out of her arms. She had to keep her arms in the air. She had pressure gloves on. She, and this is the best that... Her husband is the vice president of research of the American Cancer Society, and that's the best they could do is mutilate her. It just made me sick to see it, because I, I had so many ideas on how to better handle that, and I still do. At any rate, boy, did things change when we finally had to go to lunch, as you can imagine. Now, as you can imagine, I was surrounded by reporters and everything, wondering what's going on. So they had to take me to a private area. So doc, it's Dr. Deal, there are two other doctors, and one was there. It, uh, the three doctors were Dr. George Moore, who was the head of the oldest cancer research uh, institute of all in America, which was Roswell Park. 
He was in charge of over 800 oncologists, researchers, scientists, and technicians, and so on. And they had all these labs there, but he had one small private lab where he would end up turning the world upside down by creating what's called the RPMI-1640 formula, which grows cancer faster than any other in the world. Believe it or not, I helped develop that. I've got papers in there in my book. You can see it. Why? Because thinking out of the box, but also because Dr. Moore, when all this, all the dust settled, I ended up in his personal lab in Roswell Park. But imagine uh, how this started. <laughs> I'll continue to the great I keep that thought in mind right there. Uh, we've got a, we've got a bottom of the hour um, break here coming up, and uh, we'll continue on with this in a few minutes here. How about that? Resting our head on the seabed in an octopus's garden near a cave. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Did you know that essential oils have had a multitude of natural health and skin uses in history, but have been somewhat forgotten by recent civilization? Susanna's Secret offers 100% pure natural oils at prices you can actually afford. Do you have a house or office with a musty smell or mold? Studies have shown that essential oils like the one in our Thief and Robbers blend will kill or inhibit mold, viruses, bacteria, and fungus. Just diffuse with it and you will see the long-lasting effects that even synthetic chemicals don't achieve. Purifica, another one of our products used to clean and freshen your house or give a natural scent when drying laundry. For that special lady, we offer a ginger argan oil in a beautiful cosmetic bottle, or a pure argan oil, a natural acne-fighting product. Check us out at SusannaSecret.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-A-S Secret.com. S-U-S-A-N-A-S Secret.com. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science-analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian. 
And my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cola with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be the bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show. Tuesday at 9 central and Wednesday at 1 central. Trying to say, well, it's not alive. No, 
but it has the power to to revive itself. It's like some kind of like some kind of zombie, okay? And uh, and uh, drain out life, you might say, force from living cells. And we can suspect that this happened when somehow a cell that had been evacuated, that is nucleus had been removed, so to right. speak, and it's sitting there, and uh, it is maybe shed off, shed off as a unliving product, but instead of being disposed of by the body, it stays in the body, and then uh, it can revive itself by infecting. That is by just somehow it, it, these kind of things evolved where they had a spike or some way where they could enter, you see, into a living cell and then uh, take it over. It, you know, just like a bad apple. <laughs> you might think how bad apple. I, I, I mean, but, you know, but, but you know, See, I always wondered, you know, you know, I, I, because I've seen electron micrographs of, of, you know, of viruses, you know, and and they've they've always been attached to the outer surface of a cell. You know, how how does it inject, you know, its product into the cell well, about, and then get it, then uh, get uh, into uh, the nucleus and into the Golgi body itself and, and, no and to be able problem. to go wait, in wait, and wait, replicate wait, itself. Wait. You have to remember, millions millions of years have gone by and it's had opportunity like everything else to evolve. Imagine the first cells. Uh, there's some kind of little hole or some kind of impurity, some way that this cell, this cell that's no, no longer alive, uh, is able to find a hole, a slot, a receptor site, perfection. Yeah. Well, we call them that now, but at that right. time, remember, cells have all sorts of receptor sites and all kinds of enzymes. Imagine an enzyme that penetrates because this cell is rubbing up against it, and it thinks. The enzyme is treating it as if it's something that cell needs. That's all. Eventually, well, it, well it, it's like you know, er, everyone talks about you know the blood-brain barrier. Everyone says the blood-brain barrier, like like it's a like it's a, like it's a, a piece of vinyl around your brain. It's like no, it's just a selectively permeable membrane. Well, what's lovely is it's a selectively impermeable membrane, so to speak, compared to like in your gut. And, right, right. Com- uh, compared really to the rest important. of the body, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. We protect our brain as much as we can. Our body knows that. That's that's the. It's like the engine of a car. You may let junk accumulate in the car, but in the engine, you're not going to pour sugar in, into the motor. You know, <laughs> you may I pour it into all over the seat and eat sugar, sugar, sugar in the gas tank, stand in the in the crankcase. Yeah, it's not going to work too well, right? That's right. So you know there are these barriers and safeguards that the body has. Okay, so imagine now that you're in the Cold War and you want to get rid of Fidel Castro. So let's talk about that and what. Basically, I had two Nobel Prize winners inspect my work. One of them came to my school to look at my lab along with Dr. Dr. Deal and with Dr. Moore. And Dr. Moore was a pilot. He actually flew over that night, picked up Alton Oxner, Dr. Alton Oxley, these three doctors were trying to convince the world that smoking could cause cancer. He arrived giving lung cancer to mice in seven days with cigarette products. This is why they were so fascinated. So they had to go to my lab and and look at it. Um, My school was so scared of what I was doing because of the big tumors and everything that I had already developed. It wasn't in the lungs, and that's what I was looking for. Um, That they actually moved my lab under the stadium and built uh, 
build a lab for me under there. Now, why would they do that? Well, I would, went around all over the place giving talks with uh, Colonel Doyle to raise money so that everybody could do, all of us kids could do uh, research. And we actually had a new science building that was built, technology building. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so they were willing to build me a lab because I had already given the school a lot of money, you know, by uh, fundraising. So here we are now. They look at what I've done. They go in and talk to Colonel Doyle. I'm standing outside. What's going to happen to me? These men have my life, my future in their hands. And one of my friends, Bruce Korth, walked by. He said, what the hell is going on? He used bad language. We did not use bad language back then. And he would get himself in trouble all the time by by using those kind of words and get himself suspended. He turned out to be a clinical psychologist, so he did very well for himself. He's brilliant. So I'm standing there, and Bruce is trying to comfort me. I was scared to death. Well, they walked out, and then he said, what a wonderful thing you've done. You have made really history, but you can't tell anybody. I said, what? What you have to understand is that we believe a virus is, is responsible. We have just been discovering these viruses. We need to train you in these viruses. We need you to find out what makes cancer more deadly. And that got in the newspapers, by the way. What makes cancer more deadly uh, is it through viruses after all. And uh, so we, we want to give you special training in this area because if we can find out what makes this virus so uh, create deadly cancers like this so quickly. I said, well, how do you know they're viruses? They said, there's no other way that you could have accomplished this. Those were germ-free mice. Somehow a wild virus got in there that caused cancer. And... Uh, you know, the cigarette products, you know, exacerbated it, or maybe they came in with the products. Because we collect the cigarette butts, and they're all loaded with who knows what viruses that could could uh, withstand the temperatures that uh, would make, make it possible for me to create an aerosol. They may have had viruses. They closed down my lab. I was not allowed to take the mice uh, to the science fairs. Uh, I could only... So you can imagine I did not go that year to the International Science Fair as planned. However, I get the award from the, Amer- the uh, uh, various uh, American Cancer Society, and the, uh, I went to the Westinghouse Science Talent Search and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sent to New York, to Buffalo, New York, to work in Dr. Moore's own private lab. That's where I learned how to handle the SV40 monkey virus and all, Coxsackie, you name it. I uh, got to uh, work with it. Yeah, it brings so, up the polio well, vaccine and the sudden increase in well, this is the cancers thing. Uh, in, you know, yes. in the 80s and everything. Yeah. Well, wow. I soon learned uh, the about the devastation that happened that millions of shots of polio were had been uh, created and were being produced even as I was at Roswell Park in 1961. All the way through 1963, and they they have pretended that they did not do it after that. That's not true. We didn't get rid of the last of the contaminated SB40 monkey virus uh, methods of uh, because they're using minced uh, monkey kidneys that were just absolutely impure, full of full of viruses until 1999. And don't let anybody, not the CDC or anybody else, fool you. All right. In other words, if you were born of a mother who got a, if you got your polio vaccine in 1999, there are high chances 
I'll just say there are there were chances still that you could get the monkey virus passed on to you. This SV40 monkey virus is very unusual. Unlike most viruses that are RNA-based, the monkey virus is DNA-based. Right. They're not going to tell you that. They don't want you to know that if you stick some kind of virus uh, and you're getting a transcript, that you, I'll put, let me put it more simple. When they're talking about messenger RNA, uh, inside the nucleus of, mm-hmm. of the cell, that's where copies are made and they're extruded to make a In the golden acid. body, yeah. It, well, they're extruded out, and they make a, it looks like a string of pearls, practically, you know, if you could uh, just watch it going. And then this, it gets big enough, it gets sticky, so to speak, and it folds. How it folds creates an amino acid, all right, along with enzymes that are making it do that and so on. Well, guess what? The SV40 monkey virus is DNA. It's not RNA. Now, that is a big difference. We don't know everything it can do and how it affects the DNA that's in a cell. Still don't, okay? And anybody that tells you that you can use messenger RNA and you don't know what other viruses are in that cell, all right, and how it may affect that virus or trigger it, because these are latent. Uh, I, I like to use the example for, uh, of we have the virus, you know, that, that causes herpes and sores in your mouth and so on. That's the same virus that causes chickenpox. Right. But, um, and by the way, you, you need to avoid things like arginine and so on. I can go into that some other time. You can actually avoid getting outbreaks by making sure you balance your food and your diet right. Please, people, go to my tweets. It's at Judith, and it's called... Uh, Life's Worth Living is where I put all these tips that will help you to avoid outbreaks of herpes and, and uh, how to handle uh, the, uh, like, right and now. That's what that, they call that, what, the Zostra virus, the herpes Zostra? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just a name that's so you can differentiate right. it from other herpes. There are bunches of them, you know. I mean, there are lots of, there are all kinds of variations. So the, the bottom line being... When we don't know without extensive testing that you stick an M- messenger RNA there and you don't know what this latent, these latent viruses that are right there, the, there aren't that many DNA viruses, but they exist and they can be affected by messenger RNA. <laughs> they can, we, for all we know, I'm looking at this carefully. I hate to say this. Uh, well, I said it way back in March of 2020. I sent out 200 handbooks people who asked for them, and some people kindly gave me donations so I could make more. Finally, I put it online. Sure enough, I got in trouble for that, you know, with the media and all that. started attacking me as I was crazy and so on. Yeah. But uh, the people who listened to me, I've had so many, many people have thanked me. Thank God. I had prayed. I cannot tell you, my friend. I prayed, how is it that I got kicked out of cancer research because of my ethics, and now I can do no help? I can't help people? Yeah, and, yeah, and, 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 and why did you get kicked out? Because you were supposedly going to be fast-tracked to go to Tulane Medical School, one of the premier medical schools. Oh, yes. Because, and, 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 right. and, you, and you wrote a letter because, because they, they took yeah. your research and injected it into a person from Angola prison, and he died oh, 28 oh, oh, days later. Oh, oh, let's, let's, get, let's get it straight, how it all happened. Now, imagine I've... Been, I did not, as my critics said, go straight from high school to 
uh, New Orleans. This is ridiculous. Of course, I had special training, and I was being trained at University yeah. of Florida to work with uh, radioactive uh, iodine injections and tag cancer cells and all kinds of things. I developed. And you, and you were in Buffalo, New York uh, at some point or something or somewhere around there, weren't you? Well, I mean, Buffalo, yeah, New York is where yeah. when I went to Roswell Park for an entire fast track, I was there for uh, all of the entire in August and into the first days of September, I was at Roswell Park. And they've tried to even stop that. They, uh, the first uh, when critics uh, went and inquired, was I really there? Roswell Park said I was there <laughs> in 19... 19- I, I couldn't believe it. I graduated in 1961, okay? They said I wasn't there until 1962. And they had all the dates wrong. and every, I mean, they just messed up my records, and that's the way it is. I can't even get my own birth certificate. My friend, it's not accurate. It says my father's wow. name is Ward, W-A-R-D, instead of Vary, V-A-R-Y, and so on. Two of my birth certificates, they took my name off, and it's just this female infant. I could, I, that's not the way I registered at St. Petersburg or at Vanity High, okay? I had my birth certificates, you know, but that's that's another story. Anyway, they mess you up. when they, They'll mess up your records. They'll make it look like you never existed. So you cannot even defend yourself. Forget it. You know, it's your word against them. They'll say, well, she was never CIA. Well, of course, they have winning and unwitting. And in the beginning, I was was supposed to be unwitting, but there's a series of circumstances, and I'm not real stupid, okay? Uh, I understood what was going on. I mean, Guy Bannister, Monaghan, all those people that you were involved with, yeah. They're all, yeah, they're all all working for the FBI or CIA or both. Yeah. I'm in the mix. Uh, David Perry. Like you wouldn't believe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a lot of intrigue. A lot of, lot of intrigue. Well, I've written an entire book about David Ferry. Okay, so here, let's, let's get, get right down to the chase. I had training not only in handling these things, even in a primitive manner. You see, the fact that I had, was able to do what I did uh, in a very primitive lab under a stadium, for heaven's sakes, you know, um, they knew I could handle something that wasn't in a regular established lab. Now, imagine if you will, a cohort of very highly trained specialists in certain areas. One is Dr. Kleitfer, for example, is highly trained in um, checking for genetic differences under uh, by x-ray of various pairs of chromosomes and so on to see what changes were being made after uh, radiation and uh, mutation efforts going on. And another place, they are uh, preparing slides and they're also growing this, and they stop. Imagine that you want to find out how fast the cancer cells are growing, but you have to have proof. You can't just say, oh, it's dividing uh, every day, you know? I mean, God. Okay, imagine the cell that divides every day. That uh, Remember, you can put a grain of set. Remember the person who wanted just one rice grain on the first on the first uh, square of a chessboard and just two grains on the next one, then four, and then 16? And the king could not didn't have enough grains of rice by the time they hit the last hit. It was impossible to give the, this sage his, his uh, pay, proper pay. Well, cancer cells doesn't look like much if you say every day it divides in half, but imagine if it doubles every day. Think about it. Think about it. And if your immune system is busted, and that, my friends, is what's going to happen to so many people now because of messenger RNA no off switch. has yeah, re- no off switch. destroyed our ability to uh, really handle cancer. And 
please, I'm asking everyone, please take every precaution you can to stay away from sugar, to give yourself plenty of vitamin C, to do everything you can to live clean, because the cleanest ones are going to survive. You better have a Daniel diet, if you look at the Bible. You yeah. need... Uh, stay to stay away from Palestine, great, Ohio. Yeah. Places like that, yeah. Well, that, um, it, uh, our, our country's being destroyed from within uh, by arson, yeah. by uh, contaminating our food, GMO. We have Bill Gates has taken over so much farmland, and he wants to make fake protein-based uh, meat for everything. They are. We have lysine deficiencies going on because of that. We have... Um, Arginine deficiencies. I, I could go on and on. Well, I mean, we have methionine deficiencies. Our food is the not even food is... anymore unless you are very careful. You know, methionine. You have to have it. You are cancer. You have yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, there are these various amino acids that are being well. They're just being throttled, and you cannot. Uh, of course, you can eat be a vegetarian and all that, but you, you you've got to have good food to do it with. That you you can't use this GMO modified stuff. It, it, some of it has, as you know, pesticides embedded in it. And they say, well, you're not getting enough pesticide to hurt you. And then they're saying uh, about mercury and chromium and and other heavy metals that are in our, especially in our fruits and our vegetables. Because uh, and I could go on and on. It's yeah, very well, I, I mean, what, what's being sprayed in the skies over our head? You know, we, we know barium, strontium, you know, aluminum, you know, and various, who knows what else, you know, is, is actually being Well, we that. need to get a lot, we need to get solid data on that. We need to get real samples collected by people who are not, you can't go up with a plane that's spewing out junk from uh, fumes of its own and take an uh, air sample. You Frankly, you have to use the balloons before they shoot them down. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's what the balloons, balloons are for. <laughs> well, if they are the private balloons, uh, that's good news. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe I don't they're think up there for our well, benefit. But... They're not. They're not from China. Maybe they're actually trying to help us. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> such a crazy. Oh, world. let's hope so. All right, now let's look at what they were doing in New Orleans. So I'm brought in. I I have some special uh, again ability to work in a primitive lab without everybody getting sick and knowing what we need. Like we need clean box. You've seen these gloves that go into this box, and it's all closed in, and you have... And where, where are we venting it? We're venting it right outside, right at, right on top of people. Oh, yeah, I, I've, I've worked under vent hoods, yeah. All right, well, well, this is not just a vent hood. It's completely enclosed, but it vents out, right? Right. And it, you can take it apart, uh, you know, nobody... In 15 minutes, you can close it all down and put everything away. And with his messy kitchen, you he had... Science stuff all over the place anyway, all the time, all right? They've buried it. So we, we had these rolling carts, and, and we had mice, for example. Usually we brought in in the beginning 50 at a time. They're all white. They all have beady red eyes. And anybody looking at things, it's the same mice, but they were different. They were being killed all the time and replaced, but they all look identical, so nobody caught on, see? So that's if, and then we had parties. He didn't have them there at all. He hid them. He said, I don't want anybody messing with my mice. That's what Dave told me. I said, where are the mice when I went to this party? You know. So, at any rate, it was, what What did I also bring to New Orleans? I brought the formula, the RPMI 1640 formula, as it was uh, up to that point of creation. It would not be out for a few more years when it got perfected. But I had the formula for the best. I could grow 
cancer faster with that formula than any other formula on earth at that time, that particular kind of cancer, okay? So I had the formula. How did you produce that? Did you, did you just use filtration, titration, centrifugation? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, oh, what, kind of, well, what kind of lab stuff did you have to, to, to you know, produce these extracts? Oh, no, we had we had table centrifuges. I had somebody from 60 Minutes, they brought in a, a young doctor. He said, there are no such things as table centrifuges. So I, I have a picture of one in my book, Lee Harvey Oswald, me, so you can look at them. Of course, they existed. It's just they they, uh, they weren't all auto, you know automated like they are today with our fancy electric circuitry and everything. Did the job just fine. We even had one that was hand-cranked. Point is, it's got to be able to bring down. Like, 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 kind of like have, a cream separator in the olden days, yeah. Same, same yeah, principle. Yeah, yeah. Very simple, right? So, you, what you're after, you know, if effluent at the top, you're going to have cells at the bottom, and if you're after the cells, then you're going to uh, take those uh, cells that go at the bottom, loose ones, and you're going to start tissue cultures with them in test tubes. Simple, and you're going to take the effluent. And there, you're going to go and look at it under electron microscope and see what kind of viruses are in it. You're going to go and inject that effluent, you see, uh, after it's been zapped, with some of it you don't. You're going to inject hey, hey, Judith, it into animals. I, 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 yeah. I hate to inter- interrupt, Judith, but we're getting real close to the end of the program here for this week. Um, I, my, my God, I mean, you know, I, I, I've got like six or seven weeks left in it, you know, of doing this, and... Um, you're welcome to come back because I would love to just continue this, you know, this conversation so our listeners can hear it. You know, we, we talked a little bit okay, offline. Okay, I apologize. But, um, that uh, we hey, get your on information. How, how can they contact? How, how can they find out who you are and, really? and your information? I would like uh, everybody go to twi- go to Twitter. Go to Twitter. Okay, at Judith J U D Y T H, and it's easy to see how to contact me there. There are messages. I know it may sound bad to join, but that's the only place we're not being censored right now. And, and, and folks, uh, once again, thanks for listening. I, I thank my friend, I call her my friend now, uh, Judith Berry Baker. And uh, hopefully she'll be on with me next week and we'll kind of continue this. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll take some calls. You know, an hour is kind of a short time. But thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. God bless you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sit there for days and vegetate. I access my email, read all my spam. I'm an analog man. Would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You're listening to Real Talk Radio, only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.